Hey, welcome to the Night Church Podcast, where we meet every Friday evening for worship at the Loma Linda University Church for young adults by young adults. We hope this encourages you and someone else you know. Enjoy. everybody come on let's get some energy hey everybody let's go come on we gotta have preparation I watched uh, Tony Robbins this morning I was like man let's go come on you know if you ever watch that guy he's amazing but you know what I am so excited to be here with you this evening I'm really grateful that you're here I'm grateful that you brought some of your friends I'm grateful that you're in the kingdom house where Jesus has proclaimed his songs are sung. There's no better place for us to be on a Friday night. Some of you maybe are brand new. My name is Philip Milosavlovich. I'm the young adult pastor here. And I am so grateful to be able to lead with my friends. There's a lot of Praxis leaders that are in this room. They've dedicated their lives to being part of ministry. And I just want to give them, honestly, a round of applause for all that they do to make this happen. We've got some amazing elders, some deacon teams, some servants, directors, and volunteers. And so if this evening or every other evening that you've been here inspired you, I want you to get involved. Be part of this, this incredible kingdom-building vision. Would you bow your heads with me as we begin? Amazing God, thank you so much, Father, for being steady. When so many things in this world are chaotic, going up and down, and we're wondering what's going to happen next, Lord, you are consistent. You are there with us and for us. And Father, you also say that you have a plan for us in the midst of the chaos, and you have a plan for how we are to do relationships. Some people are here this evening, Lord, I know, who are here for the very first time in a church in a long time. And so, God, we're asking that you would bring clarity to them. Some people have been walking with you for for years. And, Jesus, we pray that you would give them courage to be obedient to your voice. And, Father, many of us are in this room who have been just hurt in relationships. We're longing to be married, and others are in tough spots in a relationship. God, would you speak to every season and every space someone's in. In Jesus' name, amen. So, sometimes people look at me and my wife and they say, man, you guys are so lucky. You are so lucky. You have three kids. You have a great job. You have a wonderful house. You got a great family. You guys are so lucky. I want to tell you, I don't believe in luck. What I do believe in is preparation. I do believe that if you were to get a little picture of our home and our life early on, you'd be like, wow, I hope you make it. But you see, the thing is, today I can stand up here and I can say, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for where we're at. Thank you for the blessing marriage has been. Thank you, Jesus, for the season of dating that we had. Thank you for the blessing our families were. It's integral to that. Thank you for Ernie, who introduced us. You believe people get 
introduced still these days. It's not all in the apps, okay? So I'll talk about that later. But you see, when people say, hey, you're so lucky, I say, we're fortunate. We're fortunate. And while I don't want to say that others are not blessed and we are blessed, I will say that we got married young and we're fortunate to have made it this far. While we're fortunate to be together, we're also fortunate we haven't walked down the road that many of our friends who got married around the time we did who are divorced today. But I will tell you also that we're not lucky. There were some principles, and I'm not trying to brag here, but I am trying to say, though, that God did lead us in a certain way with wisdom. Go ahead and read the first book, first chapters of Proverbs tonight, chapters 1 through 6. It just talks about the blessing that wisdom is in your life. And we were fortunate also in this way that God brought us to people who were able to guide us with wisdom. Give us books that could lead us with wisdom. Gave us blessings and prayers and testimony and spoke into our life with wisdom. And so when people say, oh, you're lucky, I say, friend, if that's what wisdom looks like, then I am lucky. Because we were able to take what in many ways would have been a disaster in other seasons, and now we can look at it and say, God, thank you, for you led us with wisdom, and we followed. Were there mistakes along the way? Sure, absolutely. Tonight is not about mistakes of my life, but it is about the blessing of what I get to live into. And so tonight I want to share with you some principles that I think would really bless your life in the dating season. Last week we talked about this idea of, of planting, of singleness, and what it looks like to do singleness well. And tonight we look at now the next phase of another season of life and love. What does it look like to date well? You know, it's interesting that you could be in a crowd of people and still be lonely around all of you, and you could still have a deep core of loneliness in your heart. Isn't it interesting that you could be around a lot of single people and not be able to go on a date? It's like, wait a minute. We're all single here. How can I get a date? This doesn't make sense. Wait a minute. You're single. You're good looking. You're single. You're, you got stuff going on. I'm not trying to judge right now, but you know. How is it that I can't get a date? In Loma Linda, they call it sometimes Last Chance Ranch. People come here from different places. They literally move here because the anticipation I might find the one. And you know what? I'll tell you, hey, praise God. I think you came to the right spot. I think you came to the right spot. But while I also told you last week that everyone will get married virtually, the percentages are in the high 90s, but at some point. And the years can move into decades. And our expectations can get destroyed. And we feel like, God, why can't this happen? Now, when we talk about the idea of dating... It's interesting also that God put it in our hearts to yearn to be a companion with someone. God built that desire in you. When people kind of look at others and they want to kind of look down on them like, hey, 
dude, you look desperate, bro. Calm down. Girl, it's like D-E. It's like written on your forehead. Like, chill out, man. No, but the thing is, it is a blessing to desire to be married. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on now. Don't be shy tonight. It is a blessing to desire to be married. There is nothing wrong with it. Actually, I think that our culture has sold us on the opposite. It's a blessing to be single. It's a blessing to mess around. It's a blessing to do what you want. It's a blessing to be independent. It's a blessing that I can do whatever I want with my money. I can choose to go where I want. No one tells me what to do. It's a blessing I can be with this guy or this girl. It doesn't matter because I'm me, I'm alone, and that's fine. But the truth is, God has placed within our hearts a desire for companionship. And that's a blessing for every single one of you to recognize that is from the Lord. But when we talk about the idea of how we go about attaching, the process that we kind of think about as dating, you look in the Bible for a principle on dating, you can find it. But you look up the word dating itself, mm -mm. Not there. Not existent is not there. So when I say the word dating, a lot of you have all kinds of ideas about what I mean when I say dating. But you see, the Bible says zero about that idea. Why? Because dating, as we understand it, is something that happened at the turn of the century. Several hundred years ago, when you were going to go about marrying someone in the North American continent, every dating culture exists in every continent that are different than how we do it here in America. So I'm speaking about this space. You would go into someone's home. You'd be invited as a young man to join a woman in her home, whether it was meager home with not much or a beautiful place and the father had a lot going on for him. Didn't matter. You were invited to a home. You were invited into a space in which you would be observed, not by just that girl, but her family, her grandma, her sisters, her mom, and you were scrutinized. Mm, did you see how he didn't press his shirt? Yeah, I don't know about what that's supposed to mean. Did you see how his shoes were not shined? My goodness. His hair was disheveled. Did he clean his teeth? My goodness, he smelled so bad. Right? They were looking at everything about you. And they had the protection of a family unit to judge who this young man would be invited into their home. But as time went on and individuals started to gain a little bit more free time as the turn of the century, literally machines changed almost everything. The printing press, all the ways of doing industry changed everything actually in the dating sphere. Later on, it was the change by a pill, but that's a whole nother story. The change happened as machines started to emerge. Now the girl could be invited into a car taken out of the home to journey with a young man to go somewhere. Now the journey was removed from a family unit to an independent couple, kind of looking into this whole situation. So now people ask themselves, well, times have changed, haven't they, Pastor Philip? We're no longer in that space anymore. Are we trying to go back? Is that what you want us to do? Is that more biblical? I'm not saying that's more biblical. But what I am saying as, as the times have changed, we have to ask ourselves, have the norms about dating also changed in align with God's vision? Today, girls might ask a guy out, pay for the first date, and on top of that, might even pick him up and drive him back home. 
she might even open the door of the car and the restaurant. She might be the kind of girl that's maybe potentially a little bit insecure and wondering if that's okay, or she might be the kind of girl that's like, no, I can do it myself. It doesn't matter which spectrum the girl falls into. Now, not saying that that's what it's like, but the changes are evident. One guy said it this way. He said, man, the times have changed so much, I feel like I need to ask the person for a health screening before I consider even going out with them. That was a really hard thing to hear because you realize times have also changed in many other ways. Listen to this. According to a study done in 2020 by the Pew Research Company, more than half of women and four out of 10 men say that dating has become so much more difficult in the last 10 years as physical and emotional risk has increased. What do they mean by that? Listen to this. According to the study, most say that premarital sex and exchanging explicit images is standard. Even a third say that they're open to open relationships with multiple sexual partners. Guys are two times more likely to say sex on the first date is appropriate at 39%, while women at 21%. Those in the L, G, and B category rated higher on each of the dating norms being acceptable over their straight counterparts. Though for most people, sex on the first date and open relationships might still be a taboo. Fascinatingly, those who claim to be Democrats were two times more likely to be open to open relationships, with multiple partners being acceptable, which their Republican counterparts also agreed on, but at twice less. Guys in the study cited being unsure how to relate to girls as the impact of the Me Too movement has made them hesitant with the increased focus on sexual harassment and assault. Norms have changed. And some of these norms, I would say, for the better. The last one, I'm like, good, bro, you should be a little bit nervous about how you act sexually around that girl. You shouldn't be thought to be able to take advantage of anybody. No, just because alcohol was involved and no consent was given, it doesn't mean that things can go a different way and you shouldn't be scared. No, you should be. But some norms, though, as we saw in some of the aspects do they align with God's vision and some principles? Though not the term dating itself, but are there principles that do help us understand how do we go about this in a better way? Well, where are people learning these norms for how to date and how to go about things these days? Well, media, movies, YouTube, magazines, books, music, podcasts, social reels, how we scroll through and those impact our friends, our conversations, and what we assume is normal. But Proverbs 29 verse 18 tells us that where there is no vision, my people will perish. I, wanna, I want you to say something with me, okay? Dating is practice. Let's do it one more time. Dating is practice. You're either practicing to get a divorce or you're practicing to get married. Mm. You didn't have to say that part. It's okay. But you see, the thing is, dating is literally practice. You're either dating in such a way that it's going to lead you towards, unfortunately, learning tools and habits that will lead you towards an eventual end, or it will lead you towards getting to a marriage and finding it to be successful. Every marriage is hard. 
Let me make that very clear. Every marriage is hard. There is not an easy marriage that exists. They all take intentional effort. You and I, if we, my wife and I, when we got married, we didn't just look at each other and say, oh, you are perfect. No, we looked at each other understanding exactly what we saw and said we're willing to take the risk and to go through this. But during those dating years, how you go about it makes a huge impact. But without, many vi without vision, a lot of young adults are dating in such a way that they increase their chances for demise. Now, during your dating years, you'll have to understand a few things. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6 and 7 again, and we're going to branch out from that just a little bit to build a picture of what to look for in a dating partner, and secondly, how to date for the greatest possible outcome to marriage. So how do we look for a dating partner? Now, before you kind of go about looking for a dating partner, you have to ask yourself, how am I going to go about dating when I find somebody? That's a really important thing. I remember when I started reading some books on relationships. If you're not reading books on relationships right now, you need to get off whatever else you're doing for fun time and start reading intentionally about relationships. Really good books from phenomenal authors, multiple books. That should be at your top list right now if you're a single person. It's so interesting how much we invest in a wedding, in our career, in all kinds of stuff, but we don't invest educationally and mentally on preparing for that. We spend so much time doing everything else than preparing. You've got to be preparing for that. That's an important principle to understand. Preparation leads to practicing for marital success. Read, educate yourself, listen to podcasts, talk to people that are, have healthy marriages, learn from people that didn't. Ask your parents, you gotta be studying this right now. You can't assume it's just gonna happen. I remember when I was reading about it and I was getting to a point where I was like, you know what, I think this is how I wanna go about doing it. And I got invited to a friend's house, female, and her mom really was almost pushing the invitation. I was like, all right, I'll come over. We, we're in the same class there at college. We'll study together. She's really smart. I kind of can learn a little bit from her. That's good. And we sat there, and, and I don't know how the subject came up, but the mom was very interested. The daughter's sitting across right next to her. And we start talking about relationships, and I start sharing about this idea of courtship. Courtship. Some of you maybe have never heard it. It was, it was new to me at the time when I was listening and reading about it. It's... It's intentional dating with marriage in mind from the very beginning when you start that relationship. You plan to get married when you start that relationship. It isn't, hey, let's see, let's just kind of figure it out. I had done that. It didn't really lead to something that I found to be fruitful. And so I was like, I need to learn a little different way. And I tell the mom, this is the person I'd like to be with one day, someone who understands courtship and wants to be in a relationship that leads to marriage from the outset of the relationship. And she looks at me and she says, who are you going to find to do that with you? And I just thought in my head, well, it definitely is not going to be your daughter, it looks like. <laughs> you see, the thing is, you have to know how you're going to go about a relationship before you even find somebody. The first principle I want you to go realize is, hey, go on dates to date to get to know people. But when you start dating, it's to marry them. How many counseling sessions do I do over and over with people where it's like, I think we're getting to the end? 
And I'm like, how long did you spend getting to know them? Not that long. How long did you spend observing who they were? Pastor, not that long. I'm not trying to be an inquisitor. I'm not trying to judge you or anything. I just want to understand. You want to be doing a lot of observing. So what are things you need to be observing to figure out if someone should be date worthy? Last week we talked about singleness. Guess what? You want to find someone who's doing singleness well. Singleness well. The very first passage of our text tonight, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12, it says here this. Listen to this. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. The first verse here Paul's bringing out is, listen, you want to find someone who's taken the single life well. They're not being mastered. They're not addicted to things that are causing them harm. They are taking their single years seriously. The only master that they have is Jesus. Now, I'm speaking in the most idealistic way. Last week, I ended with the understanding that each one of you needs to get from the very beginning. When we talk about all of these ideals, it has to be cast within the grace and mercy of Jesus. 1 John 1.9, confess your sins therefore and know that the Father will forgive you. When we talk about the ideals, you walk with the ideals ahead of you that when you fall, you get right back up. That when you fall, you get right back up with Jesus. That grace is your guide. That you don't need to be stuck in your past. Let the past lie there because Jesus died for that. That's fine. Not that it's fine in the sense that it's okay that it happened, but you don't let it hold you back as a slave. You're not mastered by anything. Nothing is over you besides the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that you've been listening to the first part of the sermon. This sort of production does require some financial cost. If you'd like to reach more young adults with this across the world, would you consider giving at praxisministry.org? You can select the Praxis Young Adult Envelope. Enjoy the rest of the sermon. So someone who's doing singleness well, what does that look like? Well, first off, we talked about the idea that they have a refinement spiritually. This person's identity is in Christ. You're observing and you're looking. Hey, is this guy just here at church because he's, you know, looking for honey or is he here because he's looking for the honey of the Lord? You know, like what, what, what sweetness is he after first? I want to know. I want to know. And so you observe, you look, you see the consistency, the faithfulness. Oh, this brother brings a Bible? Whew, I'm paying attention. Is he opening it? He's opening it. I look at that Bible. He's underlined it. I'm, oh boy, man. Check, 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 check. He's underlining new things, so it's not his grandpa's Bible. Okay. He's leading now. Whoa, he's a leader in the church. I'm paying attention. There is a spiritual refinement. You're observing, you're seeing, you're looking, and you're saying, 
Lord, I'm seeing these blessings this person has. This woman walks with Jesus. She is submitted to Christ. Therefore, when I get in that counseling session with Pastor Phil, and we do the first session on what is the theology of, of marriage, that when we get to that passage in Ephesians 5, she's not stepping like, wait a minute, submitting to him? Heck no. No, she read Ephesians 19 and 20 that says first she submitted to Christ, therefore she could submit to any man. Therefore this man understands he's first submitted to Jesus. Therefore when we read Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 24 to 30 where it says that he literally is dying for his family, sacrificing for me. He's not putting up steps like wait a minute, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for that. That's important. When you're looking, you want equally yoked with someone. Paul talks about this idea of being equally yoked. It's a strange term, but literally being hooked together, plowing in the same direction, two plow animals going in the same direction together because they have the same strength. You put a weak animal with a strong animal, they plow in the wrong direction. They're going in circles. Why are some of your relationships continuing to go in a circle? Why? 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 Maybe this principle? Secondly, this person has a growth mindset. When you look at their life, they've given themselves to growing. They don't need to have a PhD, a doctorate, a DDS, and license this. No, but they are growing, and they're taking care of themselves, and they're going to take care of me and our family. You need someone who has that mindset going. They shouldn't just be growing with their fingertip muscles. That's what's happening a lot right now. Both genders. I'm amazed. Bro, you're how old and you're still addicted to that sucker? Shoot, man. Find a basketball, get lift some weights, like something else. Right now, the growth mindset, so you're paying attention to that. Lastly, they have sustaining principles. You've seen them over time, and they've been faithfully walking with the Lord. You've seen them fall, and you've seen them come up, and their hope is still in Jesus. Important, important. Now, let's get into the passage here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I just read verse 12. Now, let's go to verse 13. Now let's see how do we go about this dating process. You've seen someone, you've observed, you've looked, and now you'd like to take that next step. Let me not forget this. I'm so sorry. How do people actually then meet the person? So you've been observing, you've been looking, but it's interesting. Right now, today, they say that anywhere from 20 all the way up to 50% of people, depending upon which community they're in, meet online. 30% of people meet in school or through a mutual friend, or 15% meet through school, 30% through a friend or family member, 5 to 10% meet at church. I think active Christians, it's probably a lot higher. But it's different how everyone meets. But the point is, have you observed well? Were your eyes wide open? As I've said in many sermons before, you keep your eyes wide open in your observation time, in your dating season, and you kind of narrow your eyes once you get married. You kind of just, eh, I don't see that. No, 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 that's not a big problem. No, that's not a big issue. No, we're going we're gonna to make it through that. That's all right. Why? Because in the dating season, you're evaluating. 
You absolutely are judging. Absolutely. You know, this isn't going to be a good partner for me and our family. I don't know if this guy will be able to be a good father. I don't, he doesn't even know how to serve me or his mom or others. He's selfish. Our kids are going to get up crying. Friends, the kids get up every single night at our home every night. Every night. Guess what? If that guy doesn't know how to serve anyone else, you're going to be getting up every single time. You're going to be serving and doing everything in your home. Pay attention. It's so important. <clears throat> okay. Now, verse 13. You say food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. This is a verse that I memorized many a time and shared with my guys in accountability groups. It is so important if you're going to be a man and a woman in a relationship that you take this verse really seriously. A lot of people want to say, hey, listen, it doesn't matter. It's not talking about premarital sex. It's just talking about, what is it talking about? Talking about everything that is leading one towards the blessing of what happens in marriage. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, flee all sexual immorality. You see, in a dating relationship, I'm not going to tell you where the line is. You figure out where the line is. You know what is sexual immorality for you and your partner. You understand what that is. But I will tell you, the word fornication is used throughout. That isn't something for a believer, the idea of premarital sex. Paul here is telling us, listen, if you're in a dating relationship, that's not for you. Why? Because he goes on to tell us, listen to this, in verse 8 of chapter 7. Now to the unmarried and to the widows. Hey, it's, it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it's better for them to marry than to burn with passion. Paul here is giving them the idea that, listen, you can't control yourself sexually. I get it. No problem. That's okay. God has given you the blessing of marriage for the outlet for that. That is the place where that happens. So some of us kind of think about this and we say, Pastor, what should I do if we're already having sex? Stop. That's the blessing of marriage. Are you, are you married? No. Okay. That's what the word is pointing to. Let there not be any sexual immorality among you. And if there is, then hey, pursue marriage. It is not wrong for a couple who is in Christ, loves Jesus, has a passion for the future, knows their vision and calling in the Lord, knows where they're going professionally, and they're like, man, bro, we're struggling. Well, then I look at them, and usually and they're like, when are you going to get married? Pastor, probably in about two years when she finishes school. I'm like, I would really encourage you to consider getting married this next summer. But pastor, we don't have a... So then, okay, so then what are your options here? You're going to continue living in sin, and you're going to keep pushing towards your earthly goal, but you don't want to live into the spiritual goal God has called you to. I get it. Okay, I see. You're prioritizing one over the other. Do you think the Lord is going to sustain you for this for a long time? It's just a practical thing. Literally, Paul tells them, get married. Get married. That is okay to get married. Don't wait. 
The average age of a female getting married now is 29 years old. The average age of a man, 30. The number continues to go up. Now it's 30, literally just changed for a woman, 31 for a guy. That's the average. That means that many are getting married later in their 30s, early 40s, and beyond. Marriage and pursuing marriage is a blessing. Let that not be a hindrance because of your professional and personal goals always. Some people put off marriage and finding a partner. This happens all the time when I'm talking to young adults. Well, pastor, I really would like to finish school. And then I see all those people who are in their last quarter of school. And you see the anxious frustration in their heart. They know they're leaving and they're single. And they're leaving this place where they see a lot of godly Christian people. And there's this broken heart that they leave with sometimes. I have the conversations with them. Pursue marriage, bro, from the very beginning when you start school here. In other places where you're at, be pursuing marriage, not just dating. Well, I'm not emotionally available right now. Get emotionally available. <laughs> I don't have a lot of money. Bro, well, figure it out. Take some extra loans out from school that you were doing. Do this, do that, do whatever you got to do. Don't put off one of the greatest blessings of your life because you come up with human reasons that are not really God's vision for you. But you want to live in sin the whole time. Mm -mm. That's not how it works. Paul continues. Listen to this. Verse 14. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. This is the second reality to look at. So if you're going to date, date in a godly way, don't be pursuing marriage blessings in your dating relationship. But if you are struggling, know that as God raised Jesus from the dead, he can also raise your low self-control from the dead too. A lot of godly Christian couples that I talk with break up sometimes because they don't know how to deal with temptation. It's an unfortunate space that it's just the guilt keeps getting one after another. I remember talking to this one guy. like, bro, man, I felt like she was the one. She was the one. Why did, what happened? What happened? I don't know. I guess it was just that we couldn't control ourselves, and she didn't know what to do with the guilt and the shame, and it bothered her so much, and she felt like she was evaluating me and wondering if I'd be faithful when we got married because I couldn't have self-control now. And I was like, whoa, that's heavy. But I want to encourage you to remember that Jesus absolutely can empower you in this season. If you're struggling with pornography, if it's sexuality within your relationship, God can bring you out of the darkness. God can bring power. Sometimes we think that Jesus and going to him in prayer for forgiveness, is that's just it. It's just to be forgiven. No, the power of the cross is to break chains. The power of the cross is to bring freedom. The power of the cross is to raise the dead to life. I'm a living, walking example of that. God has freed me from so many things. If he's freed me, he will free you. 
Friends, I want to encourage you that Paul is looking at this and he's saying, listen, date, date to marry. Date, though, in such a way that will lead towards marriage and not living in the blessings of a married life while you're dating. And now pay attention to verse 15 here. Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ himself? Shall I then take those members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? No. Do you not know that the one who unites himself with a prostitute is one with their body? For it is said, the two would become one flesh. But whatever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Therefore, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside their body. Sexual sins, though, are against their body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of God where the Holy Spirit resides in you, whom you have received for God? Therefore, you were bought with a price. Honor God with that body. The third reality I want to just convey to you, not only is he talking about sexuality, but he also says that you, all of you, is to live for the glory of God. That relationship should be leading you deeper and closer to the heart of God. When you notice that your relationship is leading you further away from Jesus, that you continually have to fight with them, hey, can we go to church this weekend? I'd love to. You shouldn't have to be fighting with your partner to go to the house of the Lord. You shouldn't be fighting with them to read godly books and, and the Bible and to pray with you. If your body, your whole being isn't being raised to newness of life with this person, you're with the wrong person. But guess what? You wouldn't be with that person if your observation period had your eyes wide open. Because people can kind of fake you here and there a weekend or two and you're kind of, oh, there's a good person. But after you observe them for a while... There's faithfulness there. That relationship, several principles to keep in mind here. Paul talks about honoring God and recognizing that the body is made for his glory. What do you do when your relationship seems to be coming dysfunctional? You're two great Christians. You're good people. You feel like, man, we keep struggling. We keep falling in the same ways. We keep just arguing all the time. When we're around each other, it just seems like we're bickering. Listen, he says here that your body is the temple of God. I'm going to talk to you in a practical way. People don't think about this, and sometimes they end relationships because they don't think about the practical things that are affecting people. Some of you are in one of the most intense seasons of your life as young adults. You're in a season where you're dealing with a lot of pressure in your very first job you've ever taken. Some of you are dealing with pressure financially, trying to provide rent. You've never had to pay rent. Your parents did it for a while. You have to pay for plumbing. You have to pay for gas. You have to pay for a broken car. And you're dealing with a lot of financial burden. Others of you are living away from your home for the first time. You're here by yourself and trying to navigate life. And you're struggling with your partner. You don't know how to do the adulting thing yet. You're, you're just trying to figure it out. The school pressure is so high. You have to get straight A's to stay in a certain course. And then you ask yourself, have I been eating well? Have I been exercising well? Have I been drinking well? Water. <laughs> have I been taking care of myself practically in this life? Listen, so many arguments happen when people are hangry. They're so hungry, they get angry. And they get into fights. Some of you are like, bro, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Honor your body, your temple. This is the temple that the Holy Spirit resides into. 
If you're going to date well, you're going to take care of yourself. Take care of all of yourself. You're going to sleep well. You're going to eat well. You're going to exercise. You're going to prioritize the Sabbath. You're going to prioritize kingdom values. A couple that's going to grow into eternity together with the Lord is going to be a couple who values all that God has given them in this life with their body. That will help in so many ways. Just do a little evaluation of yourself right now. How are you doing in the practical things? Are you taking care of the temple of God well? The other idea is because it's the temple of God, the people of God must also work in the temple of God. As a couple, are you giving of yourself and your time to the people, the church? As a couple, a lot of times people will isolate for a season. They'll be kind of just to themselves on their own. They're like, bro, where's Steve and Monica? I never see them anymore. I don't know either. When you get removed from community, from church community, from other friendships, just because you want to be together, that's okay for a time, but you need relationships and you need the church. That's the blessing of community. Paul tells us, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, do not forsake the gathering of the saints as some have already become in the habit of. So I want you to learn that you've got to observe well if you're going to date well. And when you do date well, then live in the blessing of that dating season. Don't take advantage of the marital blessings in that dating season. Take care of yourself practically. And finally, I want you to remember this through a little illustration. A guy by the name of Charles Blondin 1859, June 30th, performed one of the very first incredible feats of anyone. He did a tightrope walk across Niagara Falls. He first walked by himself dangerously as the wire was swinging a quarter mile across. He then got on stilts, did the same thing. He then did it blindfolded. He then did it at nighttime. And then... He did it with a wheelbarrow. And he took out the wheelbarrow and he started going back and forth, walking back and forth. Wow. Everyone was amazed, shocked at what he was doing. And everyone was cheering loud. He put a huge sack of potatoes in it. And then he stopped for a moment. And he said, Now that you've seen me do this, who here believes that someone could get in this wheelbarrow and do it with me? And people say, yeah, yeah. And then he said, and who is willing to get in the wheelbarrow with me? Not a single person. You see, the dating experience is an absolute risk. You're inviting a person to join you on one of the most incredible adventures of your life, but also a profound risk. That is the blessing of the dating experience. You get to know someone, and sometimes, as we'll learn actually next time, there are necessary endings, and some people will need to step off. They're not going to be your partner. That You're not going to ride and go on the journey of life with you on this risk. But when someone steps into your ride with you, whether you're a guy or a girl, 
You want to be able to ensure that you can take this person from one end to the other as possibly as you can without falling. But to ensure that happens, you've got to have your relationship built with practice under God's authority. You've got to have biblical principles anchoring your relationship. You have to have principles that are going to guide you in the midst of conflict. So it's not like, hey, uh, I know we're like literally really far up here, but you're going to have to jump out now because I ain't dealing with that toxic stuff. Whoa, wait a minute, what? There are all kinds of things that you want to anchor your relationship in Jesus so that there is actually a safety line to this person and to you. So that if you do fall, you don't have to end your relationship, but you're building it on Christ. Friends, I want to encourage you. Observe well, but also date better. Thank you so much for listening to the Night Church Podcast. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon. And if you have, maybe you can share this with a friend. If you'd like to stay in touch, you can follow us on social media at Praxis Ministry or come visit us in Loma Linda on a Friday evening. We'll see you in the next episode.